Hello and welcome back, everyone, for another podcast episode of Acido Magazine. My name is Emre Shentürk and I'm glad to have you back for another very interesting um, discussion or a topic that I'm going to um, present to you. I'm the founder of Acido Magazine, as you know, and for all of you who don't know uh, what Acido Magazine is or stands for, um, it is kind of a news blog or where, where I write my uh, articles on political and societal Uh, topic uh, topics, but it's not very um, descriptive, right? So I'm not very into uh, going into the details of summarizing political events. For example, posting timelines of uh, what has happened um, on a micro scale. I'm rather focusing on explaining um, where these problems or phenomena um, phenomena come from. Also giving accounts on um, uh, what it means and uh, what can be done. In the future, you know, to overcome those problems or what certain actors need to do. For example, the other day, um, or the other day, I mean, it's, it's already uh, a month or, or two old, but um, I talked about what Russia and Ukraine respectively can do to end the war and, and yeah, move out of this conflict as, um, as the winner. You know, so I'm also uh, very keen on... Um, adopting different perspectives when I'm discussing certain things. Uh, this is something that I think is much needed in the political landscape. Uh, so this is what I'm doing and also to make it uh, a bit more engaging. The podcast is here for all of you who like to listen um, to those things, but also watch it on YouTube. Today I'm going to talk, uh, or before I come to talk to these uh, things, if you want to... Um, get more information or uh, read more articles, uh, engage with the content. Um, this podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms. The articles are available on com. And if you like to uh, yeah, see me talk about these things, uh, you can also subscribe um, to this YouTube channel, share it, of course, if you want to spread the word. But now let's dive into the uh, actual topic. The other day I wrote an article about uh, Iran As you know, the protests and unrest um, um, are flaming up again in Iran. And the major point that is made there and uh, what people are concerned with right now are women's rights. So, as I said, I'm not going to discuss um, the details of, uh, of the protests, like who are the people uh, shot uh, shot dead and um, yeah, what the pol police is doing there. Um, I'm not going to dive into those details because I don't think that these are, this has nothing to do with my thinking, but these are not relevant for the political analysis, right? Because if we talk about these kind of topics, right, the aim must be, must be to extract a certain policy goal or at least find um, yeah, a route that we can go and, and uh, solve this problem. And in order to do that, in this case, we have to dive very, very deep into the subject matter because Iran is not only a very historic and a very um, culturally um, yeah, deeply rooted country, but... Um, The problems that arise from this uh, from this current situation are not just um, a matter of yeah of today. So we have to put it into historical context, which I did in this article. As I said, um, this is available on uh, Acido magazine or acido.com. 
and I'll put the link down below, obviously, so you can also read it. However, I want to complement this article with some, some remarks and comments from my side. I want to walk, um, walk you through it. And um, the main, the first main thing that um, is picked up in this article is the historic importance of this country. So why do I start like from the history of Iran in order to explain uh, how those um, protests come about and what we can do to them? The thing is, in Iran, this country has had a history of foreign intervention, right? So it not only happened with the Turkic uh, Qajars who invaded the country many centuries ago and established the Qajar uh, dynasty, but it also has been subject to, to previous uh, occupations, you know, by the Mongols, by other Turkic tribes. Um, the Persians had their, their civilizations, the, the great civil, Persian civilizations uh, um, flourish um, in Mesopotamia, uh, Iran, Persia, uh, modern-day Iran. So there has been always, over this territory that we today know as Iran, there has always been kind of a challenge, right? You know, like there always uh, there were always foreign influences, also domestic influences, you know, and the struggle for power over those lands. Why? Because these are very, um, very fertile lands, very important. You know, even the Jewish culture has its origins in, in um, uh, Babylon. And this is also in Mesopotamia. So they went basically from there to, the, to their holy land. And um, because there has been so much struggle over this territory, over the centuries some kind of societal uh, need for stability has emerged because the people there actually never really changed. You know, there have been, as I said, foreign influences and also influx of foreign people coming there, intervention as well, right? But the core people, the Persians, um, or today Iranians, uh, have never changed. You know, they kept their cultural core somewhat and uh, preserved it. They are still there and they have no other place to go. Why should they go, right? And because of that, this is a very important point when we look at struggles and protests of Iranian people in the contemporary context because they are actually, and this is just a, sh a short summary of the article that I um, wrote the other day, is that those protests are actually just a continuation of this century-old struggle for stability, right? One time um, they had like a, a civilization with many different uh, cultures, right? And then the Persians emerged, um, different Assyrian cultures uh, emerged and entered into Iran, pulled out, etc., uh, etc. Et and because of that, this country actually needs stability. What has happened in the early 20th century is that when the Qajar dynasty actually broke down after the First World War, the British started to exert more influence on Iran. Again, one influence and one factor of stability breaks down, and immediately other actors pull into this country and try to uh, gain, um, yeah, gain access to, to the resources there and also uh, have a say in how this, how this uh, country is structured. So with the uh, Anglo-Iranian oil company um, that has been established there and this, this oil thingy 
uh, was just newly getting very prominent in the region, they actually uh, managed to install the Pahlavi dynasty. And the Pahlavi dynasty, um, yeah, somewhat um, was kind of a satellite uh, of the British, also uh, then later backed by the United States. And what has happened um, until shortly after the, or no, during, during the Second World War was that Mohammed uh, Reza Shah, right, um, which is who is also known as uh, Shah Pahlavi, um, has been kind of put into place. Yeah, I want to say, um, yeah, people know it. It's it's actually uh, not a secret, you know, that this person became Shah of Iran uh, by the help of the British and the United States. So the uh, United Kingdom and uh, United the United States of America were very prominent in uh, aiding him and his family uh, and giving the, him the power over Iran as a monarch. And now you have this, this person who has been installed by the United States government um, and is backed by the British. They're extracting uh, the, uh, the oil from um, the natural resource, not only oil, it's also gas and stuff. They have access to the Persian Gulf. Etc. Etc. They can also um, were able to uh, to pull out gas from the Caspian Sea, move it over Iran to the to the Persian Gulf and whatnot. So it's it's also a very strategic and infrastructural move made by uh, by the two Western great powers. So if you and I'm just reminding you of what I said just before. You have a very long history of struggles, you know, and that the. the There were uh, periods of stability, obviously, of course, I'm not denying that. However, once the Qajar dynasty broke down, the struggles or the, the cards were um, again shuffled in Iran. So when Shah Pahlavi uh, was installed by, um, yeah, by the United States and the UK, he quickly became um, very used To, to the support and to um, yeah to the help that he and uh, that he enjoyed from from those two great powers and what I mean by that is a symbiosis of this guy reigning as the emperor of, of Iran the Shah of Iran lavish lifestyle extremely luxurious um, extremely rich and on the other side the resources are actually drained and uh, moved to the United States. I mean, there is little that uh, that was left actually for for the people. Um, but what they also did is that they moved away the Iranian people from the yeah from from the Islamic or from the Persian ideal of what the cult uh, the culture and the society there actually is. Reason for that is that the overtake of the British and the United States was only possible after the Russians pulled out of Iran during um, the Second World War, after they actually, they say, we, we wanted to do it um, much earlier, they did it much later, and because of that, the United States already had been implementing the, uh, the um, yeah, anti-communist policies globally, 
And obviously their focus shifted focus shifted to Iran where they wanted to um, shield off the communist influences in the later course of, of their development. So this was another reason why they actually started to not only extract the, the natural resources, but also start to spread the ideas of liberalism. But as we have seen many times, one historic context or one historic construct, um, historic, one ideological construct or any idea that is born or organically from one uh, socio-economic context is not going to work in another one. So those liberal ideas and all the great things that capitalism brought, they were not applicable to Iran in this form. I'm not saying that capitalism or liberalism in itself is something bad, but in the form that would transport it to Iran, they did not work, at least not for a long time. Obviously, they had like all um, the freedoms and um, yeah, and all the benefits in the first place. But when Iran gradually shifted to also a demoralized country, because uh, people were not were moving farther away from their cultural core. What happened is that not only the economic dissatisfaction grew, but also the social, uh, the social um, dissatisfaction, right? Too much Western influences. Um, it was kind of also a very decadent um, way of living, which was portrayed by the Shah. Very Westernized style and um, very focused on consumption without matching it with the uh, uh, correspondent um, production. And obviously, the dissatisfaction grew um, among the more traditionally oriented people. Um, as we know later, in 1979, the Islamic Revolution put an end to all this um, westernized decline and this decadent uh, development. And then again, we have a power struggle over Iran, right? And as you can see, the pendulum swung from the from a, from a very stable period or more or less stable period, uh, so to say, swung into the extreme of um, liberalism, right? It swung into this direction, and now, um, as an extreme countermeasure, because people in those situations or societies in those situations are not able to neutrally assess where they are at in their societal development, and they tend to overreact when they are um, engaging in, in counter-movements and building them up. So this counter-movement to this liberal, decadent society that Iran has evolved into because the Shah um, just rigorously implemented this, those secular and liberal um, capitalist ideals is obviously not communism, but in this case, Islam. The United States, they didn't really think about political Islam back then, right? The only concern was, may it would it be, but we don't want communism to spread around the world. So they didn't know that political Islam can be a thing. Accordingly, the organization building and uh, the, the movements around this idea were able to freely unfold. Leading to an extreme form of application in 1979. So after that, and then we know, of course, the United States, they understand, understood that um, political Islam can be a, an enemy as well, portrayed, uh, portrayed in the media like this, 
for the last uh, 40, 50 years, right? Um, the bad Iranian Muslims, a uh, radical country, and so on and so forth. This is not actually true because Iran was obviously uh, is a democratic country. You know, they, they were able to um, uh, overthrow the government um, with a great majority that was um, yeah, supportive of the Islamic regime, uh, functioned very well, but the problem is not that they are an Islamic Republic. The problem is that the Islamic Republic is just a reactionary movement to something that they didn't, that was not actually um, displaying their cultural core in the first place, namely liberalism. And when you have an extreme counter movement to something that is already an extreme development in your country, then you're moving even farther away from your cultural core, or at least um, you are not aligned with it, right? So in either case, we have an imbalance. We have the imbalance back in the days in the liberal, on the liberal side, and now we have the imbalance on the uh, Islamic side. But why am I telling you all this? You might say, okay, well, that's very nice. You told us about not summarizing things, and we now have a full summary of the Iranian history. The point is that when we analyze what is going on today, because I have seen many media uh, campaigns against Iran saying, well, in the 70s and 60s, Iran, Iran was so free and um, it was everything was so nice. You know, people were, um, yeah, could wear whatever they want, could behave in um, whatever way they want. But they don't see that this is not representative of the Iranian people, first of all. Second of all, they had major economic problems. Third, people were dissatisfied with all the societal developments. And uh, they had a very corrupt political regime that cared little to nothing about uh, what is going on in the country, even though Iran is one of the greatest civilizations uh, this planet has seen, right? So the history speaks for itself. Today, the situation is that, again, we, see, we are seeing an extreme counter-movement against the Islamic developments in the country you know so the islamic situation with all the sharia law about the dress codes how people behave etc etc without looking at what the what the political options are and how this country can be structured in order to be more productive and more stable for a longer um, a period in the, in the future they just take the first best option which is again liberalism as an extreme counter-movement to what is going on actually right here. This is not to say that the current situation of how Iran is structured under the Sharia law is good or is representative of what the Persian people uh, were and are and want to be. I'm not saying that. I'm obviously also not saying that the uh, restrictive policy regime is good or something like that. I'm just saying the reactionary behavior of the protesters might lead to greater problems in the future and is very dangerous um, than actually the current situation. Because if you have the current situation and you move along, right, um, it's just going to continue like this until the culture has adapted to what, what they're actually doing there. Okay, so that might be. But if you now swing from the one extreme again to the other extreme, which is again liberalism, 
then you might have a problem that the next counter reaction might be even worse. It might be, it might be communism. It might be a more radical version of um, uh, a theocracy, right? I can even not. I cannot think about what the next extreme um, counter reaction is going to be. So instead, just going for the first best option, you know, and then um, apply something that you see in the West. The Iranian people now need to rethink who they really are and actually move back to their prehistoric, um, pre-Islamic uh, times or pre-Islamic history or implement a more moderate version of, of their um, yeah, kind of um, interpretation of Islam, right? This is also what I wrote in the article, but um, the problem is if you, just because you're dissatisfied with one situation, You cannot just move to the first best option that you have in, uh, and that is presented to you. And there's a reason why liberalism in the Western style is the first best option. The United States and Israel, one of the, the major competitors of Iran in the region, they were not just watching uh, to what, uh, what is going on there. They continuously, like as you all know, uh, have great media campaigns against Iran over the last uh, couple of decades, right? But also in Iran and also on the social media side, as well as institution building of Iranian communities abroad, the United States and other Western countries, they were very active to promote the lifestyle that they actually have and also integrate Iranian people abroad to their systems, right? In order for them to carry on the message and also be like the leading voices in those uproars and uh, unrest that are going on in Iran to say, this is the system that we need. But this is not the case. Of course, the United States wants the, the liberal mindset that has been uh, promoted in their own country now for, for the last centuries, wants to have it in Iran. Of course, it's their um, national interest or their foreign policy interest to gain, regain influence in the region. Totally understandable. But this is not the right thing for the Iranian people to do. And they need to be smarter than the United States and other foreign countries that want to invade or uh, kind of um, re-enter the region yeah, through those diplomatic channels. How can we be smarter or how they, can they be smarter in this situation is that they really need to figure out what the, the Iranian identity is actually about. Um, I'm not going to make any assessments on that. You know, I just, um, yeah, I just uh, threw in the idea of, of pre-Islamic history of Iran because it's very, uh, yeah, I mean, very relevant. And I also talked about the moderate version of Islam, but I'm not going to uh, sit here and uh, make an assessment on what the cultural core of the Iranian people is. I know for sure that is not a liberal Western style cultural core. This is this clear. But I also know from the history and um, how the Iranian people the, uh, and, and the kingdoms of Persia um, evolved that the Islamic or the, the radical, um, radical is, is not a great word to, to describe it, that the theocratic way of governing Iran is also not very representative of what they are doing there. Yeah. So to wrap things up, 
Iran has a very long history of political struggles over their lands. Reasons are obvious, strategic and uh, geographical advantages, but also a very strong societal core. Because of the, all those shifts in power and the imbalance of regimes, this imbalance has always caused kind of an um, extreme counter-reaction. Last one was the extreme counter-reaction to the extreme liberalism in form of a or establishing a theocracy as the Islamic Republic of Iran. Today we have protests that are protesting against this Islamic order by pulling out the same old thing of this extreme liberalism um, that has been propagated by the West to Iranian, mostly youth, right, because of the globalized, um, yeah, the globalized structure of information flows nowadays. So, to all my Iranian friends, if you assess uh, those things, and uh, I'm very open to your comments, um, I, I would really love to, uh, to hear what you think about my analysis. Um, as I said, you can also read the article on acido.com. But uh, to all my Iranian friends, in my opinion, what you need to do is um, not jump on this liberal train um, just so. Check um, what you can do, uh, what, what the options are, what the political directions are that this country can um, move, uh, move into. And in the end, it is important that this country establishes a political system that can be sustained for yeah, ideally more than 40 years because uh, this is also a very, very important thing to do and uh, would just help uh, would just help the, the country and the people, right? So I'm very curious about your comments and, and your ideas. Um, this is what I uh, found out in my analysis. I hope you enjoyed it. There is more to come. As I said, this is a very complex. Um, this is a very complex topic. I might pick it up um, sometime later as well. But for the time being, that's it about the protests in Iran that I that I've literally not um, described uh, a single bit um, in detail. But nonetheless, I think this is a pretty accurate analysis. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope to see you. I hope to see and hear you next time for another episode uh, or for another podcast episode of Acido Magazine. My name is Emre Shentuk. I hope you enjoyed it. Take care. Have a good one. And bye.